Welcome everyone to another episode of the podcast, The Attacking Two. I'm your host, Jimmy Funnel, and I'm joined as always by my fellow host, Andy Martin. And today also, and I'd like to give a warm welcome to special guest, Philippe Miranda, a fellow writer, We Ain't Got No History, who'll be joining us today to speak about Crystal Palace and the upcoming transfer window. So without further ado, you know the question. Are you listening? So, before we start, I'd like to plug our guest, of course, uh, even though uh, I'm sure you will have read some of his articles already on We Ain't Got No History. Um, You can follow him under at Brazfoot on Twitter and, of course, uh, read his articles at weaintgotnohistory.com. You can, of course, also find all our plugins. So also from Andy and myself uh, in the description. Okay, so first of all, we're absolutely delighted to welcome you on our podcast, Phil. Um, how you. are you doing? I'm doing fine. It's a quite hot summer here in Brazil, and it's a quite hot night. Uh, so... I'm trying to enjoy the conversation because the climate is just no. <laughs> it's very difficult <laughs> to handle. But I, I'm very I'm doing quite well, quite well, especially for Chelsea win tonight uh, today, at, of course. Yes, yes, sir. I mean, let's get straight into this. I mean, what were your first thoughts at full time, Phil? What, what, what was the? Who was your man of the match? Man of the match for me was suddenly uh, Conte. He's just, you know, amazing. I I was talking with Shaurias, who is a fellow uh, writer at uh, at We Got No History, about how we needed someone like Hemsik, a uh, midfielder who would go from run from behind to enter the bots. And at the minute I, I spoke about that, uh, Kante did the run to score the, today's goal. I mean, I'm just amazed by how awesome he is. He like recorded so many interceptions. And tackles, and most of them were in Palace uh, uh, half. And he's just, you know, he just baffles me his quality and how he constantly evolves and takes the next step in his game. Uh, he's constantly evolving, and I mean, I just love Conte. I, I, I can only wholeheartedly, uh, wholeheartedly agree. I mean, that it's very hard to see this Chelsea team without N'Golo Kante nowadays. I mean, uh, w- would you agree with um, Phil's assertion, uh, Andy? I would on the point of N'Golo and Kante. Um, I enjoyed his performance today. I think that run is not an N'Golo Kante run. I've never seen him doing that, uh, at least oh. not to this perfection. Um, finishing like a striker. And you see with N'Golo Kante, he is a man of many traits. He can do things no one else can. Um, not meaning that he has natural talent in all departments, but he can learn everything. And yeah. that's what I tried to say to people when they said, all right, he's playing out of position. That's not the Kante we want. That's not the Kante of last season. Give him time and he will adapt to the position and he will cause some goal threat, we've, which we haven't seen at the start of the season. But now we see that and he can do that. So people chill out on all the other parts and all the other players today. I really have to say um, it was painful to watch at times because yeah. um, maybe I, I tell a little story out of my life because I was skiing today as we are living in Austria. Lucky we tend bastard. to do that. 
and um, with with a Liverpool friend of mine. We we were sitting there watching the game (laughs) after after skiing, and for the first time in my life, and I know him for quite some time, I was ashamed to watch Chelsea in front of a Liverpool uh, fan. Because I, I felt our performance, especially the passing in the second half, was just piss poor. I, I, like if when I watched Marcus Alonso, I was I was always like praying to myself that he doesn't embarrass me in front of my my friend. It was it was painful to watch at times. Barkley wasn't to the to the standards today. Even Jorginho. Um, but I felt we did what we had to do to clinch a win at Crystal Palace, and we tend to not win there. So overall, I have to be happy. So I think on that note, I can hand it over to Jimmy. What what do you think about the win of today? Well, I wouldn't have seen it that harshly. I mean, we didn't play perfect. For, uh, I, I agree with that. But the first half, we, we clearly dominated. It's only the same problem as always, you know, no end product. That's That's been the problem all along. And... Um, you know that that is why I, we will also address that uh, in the next part. Then, when we talk about the transfer window, we do need reinforcements in the attacking department. But uh, I thought the link-up play between the uh, midfield and the uh, wingers was quite good. I, I'm a harsh critic of William, but he played quite well at times in the first half. He was actually one of our better players, and I say that um, as said as one of his critics. But in the second, he he dipped in form. Uh, he was rather un- inconsistent again. And every time when it happens that he tries to dribble out of our penalty box or near our penalty box and then gets uh, dispossessed, um, that drives me mad. Um, that that was the only that was the only really thing that I say that was negative. I mean, those last minutes where they came at us, that was always going to happen. Uh, that they throw the kitchen sink at us. But generally, oh, I thought it was quite good. Uh, I mean, one one of the highlights also in that game was when Kepa came out and once again, you know, like, pam, passed it and it went right to the man, pinpointed. Yeah. That was so that. good. And he's, uh, I think he's a bit uh, underrated about it because, yeah. I mean, we had so many years of Courtois and one thing that I always criticized, criticized it about Courtois was his passing, his distribution, which is Definitely. so poor, so, so poor. He's always, you know, uh, launching balls towards the sidelines. He's never hitting his targets. Uh, it's it's just, you know, it's just amazing that he's a top goal, goalkeeper. Because certainly he's just a, a top uh, shot stopper, but he's so poor with, uh, with his feet. And Kepa is, like, you know, amazing with his passing. I think the, the, the 70 million investment we made on Kepa... 70 or 80 million. I think it's 80 million euros. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, it's you know it's because of that because he adds this dimension to to his play. And we see with Alisson and Ederson how important it is to have a ball playing goalkeeper. And we have that with Kepa. I don't think he's fully grown into his role yet, but he's shown that uh, with the with these passes. I think he he can, he can be you know uh, a very good threat from from that from that apartment at, such as Edison is at City, and uh, but as you said uh, the, the the passes he hits I mean there are a few times where he 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 takes a few passes uh, wrong, but but I, I don't, I'm not sure if it's all his fault. I think at times it's because of uh, of the player positioning you know the the receptor of the ball uh, because the guy 
doesn't isn't in the position that he's expecting the guy to be, and then he misplays he, he misplaced the pass. But I really really fond of Kepa uh, of everything he's shown, and he's only 23, right? Mm-hmm. So he's only yeah. have room to go. It's it's amazing. I, I I it's one of the purchases that I've most uh, most uh, excited about over the last few years mm-hmm. that we made. Mm. And oh, as they say, yeah, um, stats don't lie. And when you look at the stats, Kepa has the best pass completion rate of all goalkeepers in the Premier League. So, on he? That note, really? yeah, he has. He has. Wow. I've seen it the other day. Um, that's just in his first season as a young goalkeeper with the pressure of having an 80 million price tag on and his shoulders. Playing, and, it's just playing, amazing. Yes, and playing in the Premier League for the first time in a team that is cons- constantly under pressure. It's mm. not like Alisson and City where, you know, the opponents don't even try to press them because they know they will break them. Uh, Chelsea, you know, speaking about uh, the game itself, I agree with Andy here because I didn't really like the performance because uh, we had so much space to work with. And we just had Jorginho playing the, those diagonal passes and sideline passes. But we didn't see him doing much of that incisive pass. I mean, he did that. He did that. But he doesn't do that as often as, as he did in Napoli. And I think it's one of the reasons why we brought him. Because he was meant not just to be the register to conduct the, the team, but also to be this guy to fill in Fabrica's shoes. And he isn't doing that yet, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I feel like uh, he's being a bit one-dimensional at times even. Uh, with uh, He's too safe. Uh, which is, you know, uh, I, I won't complain him about him being too safe, but uh, I feel that one of the reasons why we don't produce as much uh, attacking-wise is the, the, you know, that there's the aspect of us needing uh, a hamstick type of player, which Kante is slowly becoming one, and also Jorginho not playing these passes that Fabregas used to, to, to do. Uh, so, uh, I mean, maybe with time that will be addressed because I know he can do these passes when I was watching Napoli last year. Uh, and you know, you, you, he didn't, he didn't, uh, get a lot of assists, but he usually got the second assist. He was mm-hmm. the one setting up the assist for his senior or for Martins. So, I mean, I, I have hopes for him, but as, as of now, I'm not really fond of how Jorginho has been, you know, uh, his performances this far for us mm. uh, I have actually a question regarding the game for you two today um, you know I was kind of uh, not really surprised as Pedro wasn't included in the squad today that we start a striker uh, it obviously was Giroud who we started but then um, I was a little bit surprised not that Morata featured on the bench because we tend to do that when we play a striker that we have another one on the bench but as he was substituted, um, like he entered the field for Giroud uh, as the first substitute today, um, is that maybe a sign um, that he is not going to leave? Because last time we've we've talked to Yannick, he said, "Well, it seems like he's going to be wrapped up for um, for a loan transfer, as he's not included in the squad and is is kept like um, physically fit for medical." Um, does it look like maybe we, we are not going to do that on the basis of him playing today in the game? Uh, what do you think, Jimmy? That's a really hard question. I, I I mean, I think that's a question that will only really get answered once the transfer window starts. I mean, it's anyone's guess. Uh, I think 
the the only thing what does speak against that is we just don't have anyone else at the moment. You know, I mean, I think the next option would be Deshaun Redden, if I pronounce him correctly. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it's as bad as that. You know, with Pedro, he could play the the, the false nine role theoretically. We haven't got Hudson Odoi. Loftus-Cheek out injured. I mean, not that it would make a difference, but Drinkwater and Moses also. And Fabregas being injured was also a problem because, in theory, he can play on the wing. I wouldn't want him to, but he what? can. Yeah, he played. He Are you played sure? On, yeah, no. He, he, <laughs> His Arsenal days, he played the yeah, wing. No, he played for us on the wing several years ago. I know I wouldn't want him to play, but, you know... He, in theory, he could at least go into the midfield and Barkley could go out on the wing because he did play that, not very successfully, but he did play that at Everton. But, you know, we, we haven't got the options at the moment. That's the problem. So I think I th- it was more or less uh, he had to. But if you looked at Morata's, uh, the way he played, it wasn't really with enthusiasm as much, you know. I don't want to, you know, maybe he was motivated and all that, but you didn't really see it. He didn't win any balls. Mate, uh, that's that is how good as he can. That's that's his standard. Yeah, that's maybe as good as it gets with him, and that is of course a problem, though undoubtedly. But um, I I wouldn't um discard uh, the ch- chance of him leaving in January just because he played today. Because I, I think uh, with Giroud also out injured, I I could very much imagine that he plays against Southampton because um Pedro might well Hudson Odoi is pretty certain to be out. Pedro might still be out. Probably will be. Um, we can only hope that Loftus Cheek is uh, back so that we can play Hazard at the Force Nine again. I mean, today uh, everyone was clamoring for uh, Hazard to come back to the left wing, and I got to say, I liked him more at centre forward than today at the left wing. I know he got was, more of the ball, but you know, yeah. it was a bit difficult because uh, I mean, I don't know if you noticed, but Wan Bissaka, the the right back. He's pretty good. Uh, yeah, he's yeah. 21, and he was just locking down Alonso's wing. Alonso's Alonso's uh, moves forward at his attempts, and uh, Eden. I think he, he was a bit uh, he was a bit affected by that, you know, because he had he didn't have a lot of support from Alonso when and whenever Alonso t- touched the ball, when Bissaka would come come close and approach him to you know to uh, avoid him yeah, to to close down to press him to avoid him to make the second pass. And uh, Eden didn't get, you know, as much of the ball in the positions he likes to get it from the left wing as as much as he did, uh, because that, that, that there's also that because uh, Palace didn't didn't defend, you know, they didn't uh, defend compact. They they did they didn't defend compact in terms of uh, width. Uh, they they sat deep, but uh, they also uh, they also distributed themselves among the pitch to close down the spaces on the flanks. So uh, when we had when we had Alonso or Aspilicueta trying to you know come in with the crosses, they didn't have much space to do that, uh, which was quite smart by by Hudson to to uh, we yeah. had to give drops to them. Uh, and I mean though the the I, the problem the problem uh, you know you, I'm putting air quotes here with Premier League teams uh, speaking as a Chelsea fan is because they are smart you know they aren't they aren't stupid. They know their strengths and they play to their strengths. Uh, you, we, we saw that against Leicester. And we saw that today. If it wasn't for that marvelous pass from Bavi and that marvelous run from Kanté, we wouldn't you, we wouldn't be talking about a 1-0 uh, win here. I think we'll be talking about another show of Chelsea having all the space in the world, but you know, exchanging passes sideways 
and not having someone to make the run because Hazard was not in a good day and he was being marked out of the game of sorts. And uh, because there is also this this uh, that we should discuss later about the transfer window, mm. uh, how he's completely isolated. We are Hazard. I mean, I said I, I I prefer to say we are Conte Hazard FC, but we are Hazard FC and most of the time. Yeah, no, you're 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 absolutely right. I mean, we we have actually uh, mentioned that in previous podcasts as well that it has become to a worrying extent this. Eden Hazard FC and, you know, only reinforcements will uh, change that. And I think that's a good uh, point to, well, let's go over to the transfer talk, because if there is going to be someone who may contribute to us changing our ways, no longer being so reliant on Eden Hazard to score the goals, to produce the goals, or you know, to assist them, then we'll, we need some good striker or a very good winger. And the most, well, I mean, the most <laughs> prominently mentioned name, and uh, I am a very, very reluctant to think about him joining. Uh, but, you know, if it happens, it happens, is Christian Pulisic. Uh, or Pulisic, as he's uh, referred to in German. Um, well, it does seem as if, I mean, I think you actually mentioned this to me, Phil, um, that Eddie Johnson is actually a very prominent name in American football. I personally didn't know that. So him putting that up on an Instagram in his Insta story uh, that uh, Pulisic will be leaving for uh, Chelsea does seem as if, this thing's gonna go through. I was a bit reluctant, as you are, as you were, as you are, uh, uh, in the past. But as I went on to, you know, follow his career and follow his 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 performances at Dortmund, I saw that he's a very young guy with a lot of potential. Uh, who has? I mean, we can't deny that this also has a huge commercial uh, factor behind it because you're you're basically purchasing the the. You know the best American player that maybe has ever been brought up, you know, in history. So uh, and you're bringing him to your team, uh, Premier League team, and Premier League gets a lot of attention in the United States. So uh, you can't deny that 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 is also a factor to you know for Chelsea to purchase him. But on the pitch, I think he's very good. But you know, uh, if he does move. From Dortmund, he won't. He won't. He will only do that uh, during summer. So uh, it won't be during the winter, and we need to look at other alternatives to our woes. And I mean, we discussed that previously as well. I think, uh, in terms of impact, a striker is more impactful than a winger in terms of you know goal scoring, conversion, and conversion. And, and everything else because we are creating chances not they are they're yeah, not second that, most actually if i'm not mistaken yeah, and, uh, mm-hmm. not that not that they are you know excellent as they as excellent as they are with liverpool and city because you know uh, we create a lot of chances but they aren't uh, uh, today was a good show of that because we had a lot of shots in the first half for example yeah. but i think we only had two shots from the bots mm-hmm. and you know it's it's ridiculous yeah. because Sahibo is about breaking through the bots. When you watch Napoli play, you saw Insigne and Mertens and Hamsic, and at times even uh, uh, 
Callejon uh, breaking the bots, breaking to the bro- the bots with with uh, a short exchange of passes and a dribble to you know finish the chance. And we are not doing that yet. I mean, I hope we will do that eventually, but at mm. the moment we're not doing that. But to finish the chances that we are creating at the moment, we need a striker. I, I feel. However, I think it's better for us to, you know, just save the money and spend it during summer. I, I, I think we're, I, I think we're fine with how we are, we are, we are playing as of now. I mean, I, I don't have lofty expectations about Chelsea. I think we are fine with a top four finish, and we are on pace for that. You know, we in terms of numbers, in advanced statistics, and everything else, mm-hmm. we are set to be at least third. And I mean, with finishing the top four for me, it's all fine. So if we keep up this level of play, uh, and considering that the players will grow into the tactics and stuff like that, I don't think we need, you know, to go and purchase someone like uh, Iguain or Carlo Wilson. Uh, I think we can save the money to spend on a younger and better player uh, during summer. I don't know mm. how you guys feel about it. I, I don't think um, Higuain is... He, he will come on loan. And that was the cost us because um, for the type of money he went to um, Juventus, they will always about demand... That, yes, yes, the, about yeah, that. The, it's just ridiculous, the, the cost of, of the whole transaction. Yeah, may, maybe, but I, I don't think... For, for, the, for the solutions he can offer us, I think it's, it's a fair amount of money and I would spend it. And, of course, it is only a loan and we will... Um, address our real issues in the summer but i think for for the meanwhile it is a good transfer to do uh on the note of pulisic i'm not i'm not overly i'm, I'm not overly a fan of him I, I i won't lie but with as time goes on and as as i i learn more and more about the business and how we go about business and how pulisic goes about business um the whole thing stinks for me um when, when i look at at the at how Pulisic is advised, and it, it's his dad or some some kind of family relatives that advise him to moves. Um, you can always see if a player is in that kind of environment, they will always go for the money move. And they see now that Pulisic was a very early start in his career, and he, I think he made his debut age 16 or 17 for Dortmund. Um, yeah. Now that is three years ago. Um, and he doesn't play the part anymore that he wants to play because clearly he's the third choice winger at the moment. He wants to go for that money move, and he has built a profile, and that's that's very good. I'm I'm not saying it's bad to build a profile as a young player because ultimately you you should cash in if you have a career that Christian Pulisic has. So no no, no fault in that, but I think they it's it's too much too too early. He hasn't proved himself, and he doesn't want to go to an English club because the Premier League is the most um, attractive league and the most watched league, certainly, in the United States. And uh, as it happens, Chelsea wants to build a profile in the United States and everything comes down Millhouse. And Christian Pulisic um, joins Chelsea for £50 apparently in the summer. Um, The matter that the story was leaked is maybe down to that he is not advised by a proper person, but rather by family relatives. And True. the stories are spreading that way. Um, I'm not mm-hmm. happy about that. If I'm if if I'm honest, especially if the deal isn't finally sealed, so um, other clubs tend to mug you off that way, and mm-hmm. maybe rise the price for another 10 million or something. And on the other hand, I don't think Christian Pulisic is like 
I, I have to I have to um, draw a bigger picture there. When I was watching uh, the documentary of Manchester City, like the um, uh, All or Nothing documentary, and I was watching the way they go about their business, their transfer business. Like, first of all, they have a director of football there, a very good yeah. one, by the way. Yeah. And and they were spending 150 million prior to that season. The documentary was recorded on fullbacks. Then six games into the season, Mendy um, broke his leg. And what they were saying was, all right, um, we spent 150 million, but if we need another fullback to win the league, we will spend that kind of money. We are not bothered whatsoever because we demand that title and we and, and success is the highest priority in our club. And there's nothing yeah. that, that, that crosses that path. Um, I don't see that with us. Like uh, I see success maybe as the second or third priority. And we, we don't really have a kind of sense what we want at this club because there's a lot of senseless people in this club. And sometimes we go for the money move. Sometimes we go for the PR move. Sometimes we go for the, for the success move. And unfortunately, uh, Christian Pulisic or that move, if it happens, is another indicator that we don't have our priorities straight. And if we would have our priorities straight, even with that kind of money we have at our club, it's not Manchester City money, but we could still achieve great things. But I think it's it's just an indicator of kind of the dropping away of our club in the bigger scale. And I'm not happy about that. Well, I mean, that that's the thing, you know, I, I agree with you on that last point, most certainly, because uh, if you don't have that direct of football, and that's also something we can address um, before I hand it over to you, Phil in regard to the director of football, uh, I, I've got to say the lack of a footballing understanding in that boardroom has been evident for quite a while now. And I, I don't, I know that we've made some very good signings. Like for example, the acquisition of Angolo Kante will always be one of the best deals this club's ever made. Well, not, maybe not, you know, Tenenbaum, Buck and uh, Marinda, they won't have an actual footballing IQ. I, I dare to say, but they will have uh, some, people that tell them who to uh, you know pick but they might not always listen and that is yep. for example the case in regard to Christian Pulisic because I cannot fathom why anyone would tell them to buy him on the evidence that he has shown I mean stats are not everything um, I, I'm fully aware of that so he's only 20 years old he can of course you know come good but if we would have a director of football I'm sure that he'd say you know, it's a it's a risk. You know, he he could of course develop um, into what people uh, wanted him to develop in for ages now at Dortmund, but it could just as well turn out to be, and I say this uh, quite willingly, a second William. You know, William may have uh, contributed uh, in his own way over the years, and you know, we won two titles with him, so you know, he did contribute. But there are clear facts why. He has been such a frustrating player, and that is the end product. You know, we, we could have won so much yeah. more if he would have a more a higher footballing IQ and just be more clinical. And the thing is, it doesn't look as if that is the case with Pulisic. And if we would have a director of football, I don't even care if it's someone who isn't you know uh, as uh, experienced in that um, occupation as, for example. Michael Ballack would be, you know, he, he'd be more of a wild card. I mean, we, I loved Michael Ballack as a player at Chelsea, but, you know, he has no experience compared to, for example, uh, uh, what's his name, Campus um, from Lille, I think the guy was called, uh, or what was his name from Roma? I can't remember the other one. Uh, Mochi. Mochi, yeah. So Mochi, Mochi, you know, 
So they, yeah, they Monty, Monty Sabatini. They would have a footballing they, act. Yes, yes, yes. The, the, those guys from Italy. I, I mean, in, entering this topic, uh, I, I mean, uh, unless you have more to say, of course. I, I would only said one more thing, and that's. Yes. I think if we would only get one signing in, that will be an attacker, and get a director of football in, uh, in this January transfer window. That will be a fantastic window for Chelsea Football Club. Only those two. Only one signing and just get a director of football. And that yeah. will be already a bloody fantastic uh, um, transfer window for me. But over to you, Phil. You know, going back to what Andy said about City, their spending capacity is so much higher than ours because they don't have to worry about uh, FFP, uh, basically, about uh, financial no. fair play. Uh, the, the, the revenue structure is just ridiculous because... At any any point in time, they can uh, they can inject money through their commercial revenue because they have the Abu Dhabi uh, enterprises the enterprises funneling money into them. While uh, we kind of had that with uh, Roman, but Roman was I think Roman was a tad more uh, straightforward with it because he was you know taking money from his own pocket and loaning to us. He wasn't just, you know, doing exactly. what, what oh. City does, which is, I mean, we, we all, I think most of us, uh, we all, we all uh, read the Football League's articles that uh, Kika, was Kika or the Spiegel? I think it was the Spiegel that the, 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 the had a series about a City's uh, practice, uh, practices, practices about, uh, about uh, revenue. And I mean, it's just... Ooh, I'm it's, not sure. Yeah, I mean, rings I, a bell. Yes, I, I, I can link that to you later, yeah. and you will see oh, that. Sure. You know, I, I read the book; it was Spiegel, and it was brilliant. Like, yes, oh, yeah. yes, you know, yeah. you, you see that they can just, you know, produce money out of nowhere. We can't do that. We have to, you know, uh, go by the book and uh, work with what we got. And what we've got is not a lot. It's not as much revenue as City has. So, you know, entering the Pulisic field, as I said. Uh, it certainly has a commercial aspect to that, but when you when you see uh, the the aims that the board has, you know the I I the, I, I read an interview. I think it was uh, Lawrence, Guy Lawrence, who entered the the the, the he was he was one of the directors in the in the board. He said that he wanted to have thirty to forty five. Uh, sponsors at Chelsea by 2027 and at the moment we have 17 uh, so we have to improve because when you when you see United they have like 70 or 80 uh, sponsors and this is one of the factors why they earn so much from commercial revenue and we don't get a lot from that there's also the stadium that is another source of revenue that we stop it uh, the development because of the whole the political the political stuff uh, uh, involving Russia and England. Uh, in any case, uh, we don't have as much room to work as City has, uh, so it's more difficult to you know to to have this approach to transfers. Uh, well, that's to, why uh, you we, need the director of football. You know, if yes, you have so, a director yes, of yeah, football. Yes, yeah. Yes, hmm. about the, the director of football that you that you mentioned, which was the, 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 the bridge that I wanted to, to make. That I even I even wrote an, an article, I think it was in July or in August, about this, that we have a business half board that in terms of experience in business is excellent. It's one of the best 
uh, around the, the the Premier League. But yeah. in terms of football, we have no experience outside of uh, outside. Of, I think of uh, who was it? I, I I even wrote his name here. But you know, there there is one. Ah, yes, uh, Barnard, uh, the the David Barnard, if I recall correctly. He's he was secretary. He was promoted to director, but he's like football operations director. He's not exactly a director of football. He's not in charge of transfers. Mm. So he he goes by and works with the day by day stuff with regards to football. But he isn't uh, the one like Emilio uh, who you know we worked with transfers and it was the that bridge between the board and the manager and I think the the the, the football the director of football uh, role needs to be filled not just because of the transfer aspect that is of utmost utmost uh, importance but also because of this uh, relationship between the club the board and the manager the the coach mm, uh, yeah. because we had Emmanuel. Emanuelo was someone who had to endure a lot of stress, and he was the scapegoat for a lot of years because Until of today. Even even today, you know, there are still people. If you read, for example, the comment section, there's still people that don't actually just take the piss. They actually mean that Emanuelo is at part at fault for the conundrum, you know, with us having a subpar um... transfer windows. Yeah, yeah, subpar transfer windows and subpar. Um... Squad, you know, we, yeah. which is ridiculous, you know. It's, it's but is it? Is it, Jimmy? Is oh it? God, I can remember us having this discussion. Yeah. Of no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying that he is in fault for everything. I just think he wasn't um, up to the standard we thought that he is, or most people thought that he is as a trend. And of course, it was, it was at the end, it was an open discussion, and of course, the club was wasn't ever in fault in their kind of. Uh, way they thought about the situation and of course it was all his fault which turned out not to be true at the end of the day but I think yeah. um, Eminalo isn't that good of a, of a director of football the problem is for English standards he was pretty good that's the problem because when I mean uh, I, I think it was in 2011 when we brought, brought a, a, a AVB to the club that he had full reign over transfers. And it was the when he brought uh, Lukaku, and then he brought, I think one year later, he brought uh, Courtois, and then De Bruyne, and, you know, several of the potential buys, you know, mm. the, the guys with potential who were cheap, coming from Belgium, and uh, he was the guy who made these transfers. He was mm. the guy to advise on these transfers. Because uh, I recall reading an article by... Uh, I think it was David Kong at the Guardian about the setup that, that Chelsea have uh, with regards to transfers. What happens when we had what happened actually when we had the director of football instated was that the director of football would uh, reach a midpoint between uh, between himself and the, the coach and he would make a proposal to the board and the board would either reject or accept. Uh, the player that they are, they were seeking, or they would you know, oh, we don't have mm. budget for that. Seek mm. another player with a lower budget, and so on. So, for example, when we purchase a uh, Papi Jujubul, G- 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 yeah, that, that guy, <laughs> that, that guy, yeah, yeah, that guy, uh, G- yeah, Jiloboji, mm. I remember yeah. his name. Yeah, when we bought him, we bought him for like three million euros from Nantes or eight million. I 
don't even re remember. Yeah. But it was a year where we had a very limited budget for whatever reasons. I mean, uh, Emenalo and Mourinho didn't have much room to, to, to work with. Meanwhile, the, the, the summer before that, the previous summer, we purchased uh, Costa for 32 million and then Fabregas from Barcelona for 30 million and so on. So, you know, the, much of the problems that we had with Emenalo mm. stemmed from this, this, this uh, disconnection between the mm. board, you know, the, 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 the financial aspect mm. of, the, of the club and what the, the coach and the director wanted because mm. I don't think the football director wants you know to undermine his own mm. job. Mm. He wants to yeah. do well. He wants to do to do well during transfers to you know uh You know, I agree, I agree with that. I agree with that. But you see, I, I don't think it's the solution to all our problems. Um and I don't think even that if we had uh, a director of football it would work for us because the mentality of the club is all wrong. Let's say we appoint mm. someone. I, I don't even care who it is, if he's a good one or a bad one. I just want a person in charge who dictates the kind of players we get at the club. And that way, he dictates the way we play football. But at the end of the day, if you do that, you need a manager who is kind of... Who, who, who does the things with the, the players. Like, it's it's... We, we, we discuss about um, the squad we have at the moment and many people will say it's not a Sari squad. Like if we had a, a director of sport, there's no guarantee that this director of sport would Sari provide the players he wants because he's also um, someone who has to be, who, who has to deliver for, for the people in charge, saying yeah. Bruce Buck, um, Roman Abramovich, all these people. So... Um, by saying that, I mean, um, if we continue to appoint the wrong managers for a director oh, of football, whoever it might absolutely. be, it, it wouldn't work out at the end of the day. It so, has to be aligned. You have to. You, it, ha it you need to, to have a there. philosophy. Yeah, and and that's that. That's my worry. So if we if we just do that and continue everything else the way it is, uh, it wouldn't be more successful than it is now. Um, yeah, so we have to appoint a strong person either in the in let's say the, the director of football role or in the manager role who really pushes on and says um, I, I don't rate Jose Mourinho for so many reasons but one thing I always rated about him was the way he handled transfers that he said he went to Ed Woodward at Manchester United in I think after his, his first season and said I want these four names and by the time the transfer window even opened he had the four names signed. I think that's the way it should be. And if you have a manager who is doing that and Sari isn't that person, you need a director of football doing that. You need a strong person who tells the board, all right, that's the place we need because we want to be successful and everything oh, else doesn't definitely. count. Yeah. And I think so. that's what, what we need at the moment. I, I agree with you, yeah. And I think that would solve a lot of our problems in that respect. I mean, problems, you know, is... Yeah. It's not looking too bad. Uh, I mean, third place, well, as we mentioned, after winning against Crystal Palace, is looking kind of good. But um, I, I think that is also a point which has to be addressed in the near future. Because, it, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, there were reports already in the summer that said, yeah, now that the transfer window is open, uh, Chelsea will be concentrating on actually 
appointing uh, director of football in the upcoming months. Well, now it's nearly January and nothing's happened. Oh, yeah. At least I not mean, that we just took, from, yeah. Yeah, Maidana just took the fun part of the job for herself. And he yeah, but that's the she, problem. You she know, doesn't we, want to let go of that. <laughs> director of football has football in its name, in, in your title, and that means that she should have an idea. I mean, I know she's been in the business for a long time because yeah. before that, she, I think she was... Where was she? Somewhere in Russia, if I'm not mistaken, uh, for quite a long time. I think she even did something with Vitesse as well at one point. But my point is, yeah, actually, of course she did because Kashia, because she's Georgian, isn't she? And yeah, anyway, point is, um, she will have already, you know, gathered the one or the other thing. But, you know, a footballing mind is just different from um, someone who's in economics and she is fully i mean she's good at what she does you know if she yeah. you know to get the money out of stuff and that 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 she does very efficiently and very um prolifically but the problem is that uh, you can't always just um put that out into into yeah, footballing can... business as well and yeah, that's, yes. that's that's the thing and i think if she'd have that director footballer uh, of football in place, even if it will be, you know, let's say a former player who she would be able to, I'm not going to say manipulate because that sounds uh, harsh, but, you know, form and shape as she likes to, then that yeah. would work better. If she wants to do that, fine, but at least that would ha give us someone next to her, you know, at, at by her side who would give her advice because at first I thought, you know, Gianfranco Zola may be coming in, great, he can do that. But now he's, uh, he's uh, you know, uh, uh, in the coaching staff, and that's good. I thought he's done a great job, but, you know, he would have been good for that position, probably. You know, you can't say for sure. Mm. But, um, yeah, no, so I think, as said before, if we would get in a directing, uh, director of footballer, footballing director in January and uh, an attacker, whether that be a striker or a white winger, preferably a right winger from my point of view, as I've already elaborated on prior videos, um, then that would be fantastic. But that's unfortunately, we can't always get what we want. And yep. it does seem as though that we will be in for a striker, to be fair, because now that Giroud rolled his ankle, uh, I think that does. That we're, we are definitely getting a striker, whether that be the recalling of one of our lone army um, strikers or diving into the market but some something has to be done because if Giroud's out for a few weeks and Morata's just not on form and sorry isn't really trusting him anymore if he's already taken him out for tactical reasons then something has to happen and that is quite exciting of course but I wouldn't agree with what with your sentiment that you said before fell about Callum Wilson because I'm not not too uh not too happy about that link because even if we would buy him he'd cost us about 50 mil upwards and he would essentially be from the summer on a backup striker. And there's yeah. no point spending that money on that kind of money or sums on a backup striker. I mean, ideally, ideally not. I, I mean, I, I fully agree with you, but we are just behind, we're just against the wall here. That's the problem. Oh, that's uh, true. Just, okay. As you said, uh, Morata, I mean, Morata, I. I Speaking about Morata, if you allow me, I, I I really like him as a footballer, but I hate him as a striker. That's the problem. I think he's an excellent footballer. I mean, as a player, you you see how he's he 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 does the the correct runs. He he has the the great technique and everything else to make a a good footballer. But when it comes to finishing his chances, he just you know sucks. 
And you, it's strange because yeah. uh, his advanced stats, you know, expected goals and such, he so he does so well in those, but he always he almost always underperforms. And I was, I think, it was one of one of one of you or, or uh, uh, either Yannick who said that you know he crumbled he crumbles under pressure, or maybe I listened to that in another another podcast. But uh, I mean. He he's used to the backup role, and now that he's the main man, he just crumbles, and maybe that's what's happening with him. So, uh, which is something that you know happens uh, 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 with some players. They are used to not taking the spotlight, but when they do, they just you know fail to deliver, and they are much better as superb uh, backups than as a, a, a man to lead the the the, the front line, which is like the opposite of someone like uh, Drogba, for example, who was someone who, who even when he wasn't scoring goals, he was still a constant threat whenever he was on the pitch. Mm. I mean, uh, and it, that's something that I, I really, I really like liked about Drogba. And is someone, I mean, we don't have this, this kind of striker anymore, which is very unfortunate, mm. I think. I mean, uh, I... I when when I was going through you know potential names for us to 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 purchase, uh, I mean not this winter but maybe in the summer. I remembered uh, Pedro. He's a who's a player for Fluminense, which is my team here in Brazil. Uh, he's very good and he's kind of that uh, classic number nine of sorts, but you know with speed and tenacity and everything yeah. that you need from a striker. But he plays in Brazil, which is mm-hmm. a level a. Ta- a, a a very, very, very many levels uh, below the Premier League. So I don't know how you. How, well, Gabriel, you... Gabriel Jesus has has done it, and he stepped up yes. directly from the Brazilian league. So might not be a bad shout. But unfortunately, yeah. when you when you mentioned um, Didier Drogba, I think world football doesn't do players like Didier Drogba anymore. Like looking no. everywhere, looking at every team. There's not that's many true. big characters in the game um, yeah, these days, yeah. and that's unfortunately what we lack. Um, we yeah, always had the leading exactly. striker. At least exactly. when we were successful, we always had the leading striker, the one who could deliver when nobody else could. And unfortunately, we have to move to different paths now, I think, um, because you don't get these these big-name players who deliver on the constant basis like your Terry's, Lampard's, Drogba's. Ain't, ain't a single player in our squad that is to that mental level that they were um but i think on that note as we are 50 minutes going already uh, we can we can end that on well um plugs obviously as we always do um so i'm coming to you Felipe. um we enjoyed this conversation was a very thoughtful a very deep rooted um discussion where we had many things on the card i, I certainly enjoyed it um so if people are interested, and I'm sure they are, where can they find you on social media, on whatever platform you want to plug here? First of all, thanks for you know uh, having me here. I it was the first time that I uh, was in a podcast. Although I've listened to podcasts since I was 14, and I'm at 26 at the moment, so you know it was my first. I'm really glad that you allowed me to to you know to to be here. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Brasfuch, which is uh, Brasfuch uh, with Z, uh, B-R-I-A-Z-F-O-O-T. 
And also over at uh, We Ain't Got No History, which is where Jimmy also writes. I'm, uh, I'm really keen on transfer rumors, and I also do translations uh, from Portuguese and Spanish to you know English to, to go through the mud that we have <laughs> in regards to uh, transfer rumors and such. Uh, I really liked it, and I really enjoyed the conversation with you. Uh, I mean, and sorry for any mistakes I've made. I uh, <laughs> I was a bit Don't nervous. No uh, worries, yes. no worries. Yes, I, I mean, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, follow me on Twitter and uh, comment on wherever I write and stuff. Mm -hmm. That's it. Make sure you do exactly that. Um, as I will mention, what you should also do, follow the Attacking 2 on Twitter, follow Jimmy Funnel CFC on Twitter, follow myself, Andy underscore MA10, which stands for Martin on Twitter. Make sure you listen to our podcast on every possible platform there is. And also make sure you tune in next time when we will record the next episode of the Attacking 2 Transfer Special, which will be in the next week. Until then, keep the blue flag flying high.